This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're discussing Shara uh, Bitachon. And we're discussing trusting in Hashem. And we discussed different requirements for trusting in Hashem. Now we're talking about different, the second level of requirements for trusting in Hashem. And number one is to believe that Hashem is watching us all the time. Hashem is watching us all the time, which has good and bad sides, right? God is watching all the time. The good side is that He's watching, that He's aware of what's going on. He's looking after us. That's what watching, in a sense. Just like you watch over your kids, Hashem is watching over us. But the other side, the other aspect is Hashem knows what we're up to. He knows whatever we're doing. And everything we do will be held to account, unfortunately. So that's the, the good side is that's divine providence. Divine providence is Hashem is aware of everything we're doing. And Hashem is watching over us. So Hashem is guarding us in a sense. And nothing is hidden from Him. Nothing we do, nothing we say, nothing we think is hidden from Hashem. So even bad thoughts a person has in their head, Hashem knows about them. Hashem may not punish a person for their bad thoughts. Because Hashem does not punish people for bad thoughts. Except for idolatry, which is in the mind. And some people say immorality. But otherwise, a person's bad thoughts are not punished because he's probably not going to do them. He's probably going to do teshuva. Right? So, we, it's one of the 13 principles of faith that Hashem knows everything, the thoughts of man. Here, number six. Hashem knows what a person is thinking. So, if Hashem knows what a person is thinking, obviously Hashem knows what a person is doing. Hashem knows what's going on in awareness. Right? Hashem knows everything. He knows everything about everything. So nothing we do, nothing we think are hidden from Him. He knows whether we trust Him or not. So there's no hiding. We can't, we can't fool Him. It's, uh, Hashem knows the thoughts of a person. And uh, once you understand this clearly, you can no longer say you have faith in God unless you really trust Him with your heart. So the person got to really imbue this into their inners. The person got to really imbue this into their inners. I trust Hashem completely. I know that Hashem loves me. I know Hashem cares about me. I know Hashem will do the best for me. And it's so hard to really believe it. It's so hard to really believe it because sometimes a person gets banged. We're in the school of hard knocks. This, the world is the school of hard knocks. And we get this knock and we get that knock and we get this and that. We, but we really have to believe that Hashem, we trust in Hashem. Hashem will get us through this. And Hashem wants the best for us. That's really the, that's the bottom line. Hashem wants the best for us. And that was the test that we see Abraham Avinu. Ten tests. Abraham Avinu had ten knocks, not just one. Ten knocks over and over again, over and over again. But he passed it. He doesn't say he passed them all. It says, what does it say? What does it say? He stood. He withstood them all. What do you mean he withstood them all? His faith was not changed. His belief in God was not changed. His trust in God did not change. So even though he got into the school of hard knocks, his trust in God was perfect. Nothing changed. He withstood the test. And that's our test is life as well. Things happen to a person. A person is going to say, what happens for the best? My trust in Hashem is not diminished. Hashem will put me through this. Hashem will get me through this. Hashem will get me through this. So that's a very important idea, and that's very important to, to internalize it, because you can't fool Hashem. Hashem knows who has faith in Him, Hashem knows who believes in Him, Hashem knows who has trust in Him. And so it's a very, very important idea that we should really internalize this concept, which is uh, the concept of number six. Hashem knows what's going on in our minds. Hashem's aware of what's going on. Hashem knows everything about everyone. And that's called providence, divine providence. Hashgacha pratit. We believe in two kinds of hashgacha. There's one kind of hashgacha, which is divine providence, which is general providence. Hashem knows in general what's going on. And then we believe that Hashem cares about every single individual. Hashem, the creator, is our God, personal God. Hashem is everyone's personal God. That's a beautiful idea, the concept of, in Judaism, of a personal God. Hashem cares about me individually, cares about you individually, you, 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 everyone Hashem cares about. Individually. And that's why Hashem cares about whether we love each other. Because we're all His children. So if you say, I hate, I hate so-and-so, God says, huh? You hate one of my kids? 
<laughs> you're my kid, but you hate the other kid? I don't like it. A parent does not like one child hating the other child. So it's very important that we get along. It's very, very important that we get along, and Hashem knows what's in our hearts, which is very hard to keep the heart clean and keep the heart thinking positive thoughts. And the most important thing, the five students of Yochanan ben Zakkai, big discussion was the most important thing. And the most important thing is a good heart. What is a good heart? A mind. A person's mind should be clear of hatred, of bearing grudges, of bad thoughts about people. Just think good thoughts, positive thoughts. Think good thoughts, positive thoughts. It's so hard to do that all the time. And what we do before we go to sleep is we do teshuva, try and forgive and forget everyone who troubled us. And this way we try and purify our thoughts before we go to sleep. Client cleanse our thoughts, cleanse our hearts before we go to sleep. So that's a very, very critical idea. And that is number one, so we said number one is a preliminary for trusting God is Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem knows everything a person's thinking. Hashem knows what's in a person's mind. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is all-powerful. And Hashem knows whether we trust Him or not. That's number one. The next requirement is to trust God exclusively. David Abedach says in Psalms, he says, Al tiftuchu bin divim. Don't trust in Nedivim. Nedivim literally are generous people. But Nedivim also means important people. So you go to someone for a favor, you go to someone for advice. Don't trust anyone. Says, the person can't even save himself. You're trusting in someone who can't even save himself. This person gets sick, he dies. But he can't, he can't even save himself. How can you put your trust in someone who can't even save himself? So it's important not to put our trust in other people. So even the people themselves, a person trusts in a person, he can do favors for me, he's a very big shot, you know. And that person himself, he can't save himself. So put trust in God alone, that's it, only in God. A person should put trust in God alone, nothing else. Not even your family? Not even your family. Your family is, uh, okay, it's high up there, but you can't totally trust. What do you mean? They can't save themselves. They need your help as well, right? You go to your father... Daddy, help me. Okay, I can help you as much as I can. But I, have to, I need help myself. I need to go and earn a living. I need to go and get a job. I need to go work. Everyone needs to do something. You know, We all need something. Hashem is the only one who doesn't need anything. That's what I'm saying. Someone else has a problem. Your father has a problem. Where is he going to go? Your family has a problem. Where are they going to go? So everyone needs someone else. right? Always needs someone else to help. Hashem does not need anyone help. Hashem is the top of the pyramid. Why go to the second level of the pyramid when you go to the top of the pyramid? So Hashem is the top. So a person should trust in God alone, and that's what we say when we take out the Torah. When we take out the Torah, we say, Psukim from Devarim. Very, very important. Psukim, You showed us, right? There's no one else. There's no one else. There's nothing else. There's nothing apart from Hashem. What does that mean? That means there's no other power apart from Hashem in this world. Nothing else. All, everything we see is created by God. Nothing else created it. There's no other power who creates. And there's nothing else you can trust. You can trust anything else, but it's all depending on God. Everything goes to the top. Why go to the second in command, or third in command, or fifth in command, or twentieth in command, when you go straight to the top? Go straight to the top. We have a tremendous opportunity. We go straight to the top. It's an amazing concept. Go straight to the top. Go straight to the boss. The boss is the boss. Your boss is not the real boss. And he has a boss on top, right? We talked about the joke on, on Shabbat, right? The guy says, I'm a boss, but in my, my corporation, no one respects me. So he put a big notice on his door. I am the boss. When he went to lunch, someone put a small note underneath it. Your wife called, and she wants her notice back. <laughs> Everyone has a boss. Right? Some places is your little daughter's man. My boss is my little daughter. She is my boss. She bosses me around all the time. Right? So that's it. Yeah, everyone has a boss, right? So you go to the boss, you think he's your boss. He's not really a boss. He has a boss. Everyone has a boss. Hashem is the one top. He's the top of the pyramid. So go straight for that. Trust in God exclusively. Even if you include someone else in your trust, you ruin your trust in God find this by Yosef, right? Yosef is the classic example. He tells the butler, when you go back, when Pharaoh brings you back, remember me. What happens? Two years he forgot it. For two years, Yosef was more, two years more in jail. He wouldn't have told the butler anything. He'd remember that out of jail. Put your trust in God. So a person's got to know 
he's got to trust the guy. It's very hard. It's very hard to do this. Why? You go to the doctor and you've got to get some medication. But instead of, telling the do- instead of thinking out, the doctor's really going to help me, thinking everything comes from Hashem. It's very hard to do that. Right? So you've got to think above who's helping you. This doctor is just a messenger. The real, the real healing is coming from God. It's very hard to think. It's, it's very hard. But it's going to look beyond the immediate. But it's going to look above the, the immediate. So if you include someone else in your trust, you ruin your trust in God. You find the great Sadiq, Asa. He was one of the kings of, of Judah. The son of David Amelech. He was a big Hasid. He was a pious person. However, in his illness, he did not seek out Hashem. He, seeked, he only seeked out doctors. He forgot about God. And he was punished for this. I don't know if we'd be punished for this today, but we're not on the level of Asa. So here's a person who saw, if you see a better big dash, if you see in front of your very eyes a better big dash and the offerings going up and the smoke going up straight, your bitter heart, your, your trust in God is much different than when you don't see anything. Right? If you can see revealed miracles every day, your trust in God is a different level. You, have, you can see a prophet, he prophesying and he's, and he's true and he's doing miracles. It's a different kind of feeling. We don't see that today. We see hidden miracles. We see the state of Israel existing after 60 years. Baruch Hashem, it's a miracle. There's no, there's no question about it. Surrounded by enemies, and it's thriving. It's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. With all the fires of all the arrows of living inside, they can't, they're still helpless. Up to a point. So Hashem is the only one. We have to know. A person trusts in other people, you're delinquishing, you're relinquishing your trust in God to a certain extent. A person shouldn't trust don't give your trust to anyone else. Trust in Hashem. This is just a messenger. Hashem is the one doing anything. Everyone else is messengers. Parents are messengers. Family is messengers. Everyone else is a messenger of God. That's it. But God is the main one. If two or more people are in charge of a job, it won't get done. So the same thing applies when a person trusts in more than one God. He's saying this, I believe God is in charge of this, and there's others in charge of this. He just divided up the... The duties, I shall say, oh, that's the way it works? Okay, that's the way it works for you. <laughs> I'm limited to this. You limited me to this. I'll, I'll limit myself to this. That's it. The way we treat God, that's the way he treats us. Middah, Kanek, and Middah, exactly what we do. That's what comes back to us. So we split our trust. I shall say, oh, you split your trust. You don't need me. You don't need me to heal you. You trust in the doctor? Okay, rely on the doctor. Let's see what happens to you. Uh-oh. Not good. Not good. So a person should not divide their trust up amongst God and someone else okay so that's uh, those are let's see let's just re- recap number one is how much a person we're going to talk about that a person's going to know whatever happens is divine everything is the divine cause and effect everything starts with a divine cause Hashem wants something to happen and it will happen it may happen ten moves later Hashem is the master chess player. Hashem is playing 10 moves, 100 moves, 2,000 moves ahead. He knows exactly what's going to happen. Right? Hashem says Mashiach is going to come. Right? We know Mashiach is going to come. The question is when. It depends on us. But we can only delay to a certain point. We play our moves. One generation can delay another 10 generations. But eventually it's going to happen. Hashem is playing the long game. Hashem plays a long game. Hashem does everything... It means a long chain of cause and effect. A person who learns Kabbalah will learn that there was a tremendous destruction in the world's above. Imagine, before man was created. Well, nothing to do with man. But was, the destruction was there for man to fix. In other words, Hashem made some kind of havoc in the world for us to be able to fix it. In other words, it's a long, it's a long view. Long, long view. Very long view. So, that's number one. Number one is... We have to know there's a long chain of cause and effect. In fact, this is brought down by Shlomo Melech in chapter 3 of Keret. And this became a song, a pop song, a very interesting pop song, many years ago. Chapter 3 of Keret, everything has a season, right? There's a time for everything under the heavens. There's a time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. Now this is Shlomo Melech, so it's very, very deep. But what is he saying? What is he really saying? Everything has a time. What do you mean everything has a time? Hashem has a plan. Everything has a plan. Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Everything. It's all planned out. It's all written. It's not written or not written. It's, it's, it's in God's mind. God doesn't have to write anything. It's in his mind. He knows what's going to happen. So Hashem knows exactly what's going to happen. Hashem knows there's a time for everything. There's a time for a person to be rich and a time for a person to be poor. It's fixed. You can do whatever you want. It's not going to help. Bye. It's hard. 
You can try your best, but that's it. It's not going to help. So a person's got to pray. A person can pray. Three things can change decrees. Our prayers. What else? Tzedakah. And Teshuvah. Teshuvah. Three things can change decrees. We can... And that's exactly what he's saying. He's a time for war, a time for peace. I mean, there's, a long, there's a long plan. Hashem has a plan. We can delay these things, the bad things. We can delay them without prayers. We can, it may happen in a different generation. Right? Like David Amelach. David Amelach delayed the inevitable. So it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in your generation. You're, going to, you're righteous. Or Yoshiyahu Amelach. It's not going to happen in your generation. It's going to happen in a different generation. There'll be a destruction, but the question is whose generation? It's a plotted out already. The, the map is there already. We can delay things. We can, we can delay them. It's amazing. We can do it. We have power to do these things. But everything basically is part of God's plan. God has a plan. We have to know God has a plan. That's number one. Number one is God has a plan. And there's a long chain of cause and effect. Here's a very strange example over here. Take a single grain of wheat, he says. A single grain of wheat can produce 300 ears of wheat, each of which contain another 30 grains of wheat. One single grain of wheat can produce close to 10,000 grains of wheat. I don't understand, but anyway, so... so Successive Successive? Planting. Planting, okay. The same is true for procreation of man and other animals, right? A little drop, a human being comes out of a little drop. A large fish comes from tiny fish eggs, right? So that small thing cannot create anything by itself. So obviously everything is the power of God. That's, what, that's his proof. His proof is everything is the power of God because you see from small things come really big things. Well, how can the small thing, big, you know, scientifically, how can a small thing... So I'll tell you, it splits up, whatever, it keeps splitting, keeps splitting. But where's the energy coming from? Where's the power coming from? Who gave that power to the small thing? And the answer is God. The root cause is the will of God. The will of God keeps everything going. So it's a very, very interesting concept. In other words, we are alive because God wills us to be alive. We say this in our prayers every morning. When do we say it? Mechadesh betivor bechol yom tamid. Hashem is mechadesh. He renews the creation of the world every single day. When do we renew it? And the answer is, God's willpower is keeping things going. If God would stop, alter His will, everything would stop. Everything here is because of God's will. God wills it to be. And that's why we, we pray. One of our prayers is, He ratzon fanecha. Ratzon is the word will. We always pray to God, your will should synchronize with our will. Our will should synchronize with your will. We should do your will like our will, and you will do our will like your will. That's exactly the point point is Hashem's will is keeping everything going. So that's number one is everything, the source is Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. Hashem is the primary cause. However, we have no idea what's going on. We can't understand Hashem's plan. And that's Job's question. Job asked that question. Why Hashem? Why? Why did you do this? What happened? Hashem says, you can't understand. It's beyond you. It's beyond your capacity as a human being to understand these things. You can't understand. Do you understand how I created the world? You can't understand anything. How do you understand it? I can't explain to you. It's too deep for you. Today we're starting to understand the greatness of Hashem's creator, right? Uh, how many atoms on a pinhead? One to the 19. Zero, 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 19 times. I mean, there's, there are probably more atoms on a pinhead than there are stars in the sky, which is in the universe. I mean, it's very hard to understand. We can't even understand that God's greatness. We see God's greatness in the miniature and the macro. In the micro and the macro, we see God's greatness. It's amazing. Hashem's greatness is amazing. So how can we understand? Is that these concepts are very hard to understand. Now we're just, we're just starting to grapple with these concepts. And they're just starting to say there's many dimensions out there. Many universes could be. And the Kabbalists have said this many times, but they're just starting to say these things. I mean, Hashem's greatness is unlimited. Hashem's infinite. What does that mean, infinite? It means there's infinite amount of worlds. There's infinite amount of creations. So everything comes from God. We have to realize that. And uh, so therefore he says, look at this. A person in their eagerness to earn money goes to great lengths and expends vast energy and time to make something happen. Before or after the Creator wants it to happen, or to make something either greater or smaller than the Creator wanted it to be, does not understand that everything is ordained by God. In other words, it's not going to happen. If it's not the right time, Hashem ordained, it's not going to happen. You could push and push and push, as the, as the Chavetz Chaim says. The guy's late for his appointment. He goes to the front of the carriage of the train, and he's pushing the carriage. He's pushing the front of the train. Is that going to make him get to the appointment faster? And the answer is obviously not. 
It's the same thing in our lives. Sometimes we push and push and push, and nothing happens. Okay? Maybe it's not the right time. When it's the right time, you'll see things will happen straight away. Bang. All of a sudden, a person will get an offer from nowhere, and boom, he's the person that's elevated in no end. It's amazing. It's amazing. If Hashem wants something to happen, it will happen. The only area, this is a very important idea, the only area proper to devote great energy and time to mm-hmm. is our free choice. Now, hands. Our Yirat Shemaim. Everything is in God's hands except for Yirat Shemaim. And this is the hardest part of, of being a Jew. It's the hardest part of being a successful Jew. is to serve God and accept His Torah. How much time and energy do we put into what we're doing right now? How much time and energy, Baruch Hashem? Luckily, we're here tonight. We're the lucky ones. We're the lucky ones who are hearing this. And hopefully, it will give us an impetus to serve God more. The only area proper to devote great energy and time to is one's duty to serve Hashem and accept His Torah. Because our moral character depends on our own choices. The person who worries and goes to great length to acquire his livelihood reflects a lack of understanding of God's omniscience, which is greatness. So, uh, and that's what Shlomo Melech meant. Everything has a season. If you're going to be rich, you're going to be rich. It's going to be a season. I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich. It's Hashem's plan. It's all God's plan. However, if you're going to be a tzaddik or not, that's not God's plan, that's you. If you're going to be righteous or not, how, how righteous you're going to be, that's up to you. And that's what you have to, that's our mission in the world. So Shlomo Melech gives us 28 different examples of things which are in God's hands. That's what Shlomo Melech is talking about. Time for this, a time for that. Hashem has mapped out everything that's going to happen. There's a time for everything set aside. 28 different times, examples of these things. Everything, all these things have a cause, and the cause has a cause, has a cause, has a cause, unto the primary cause, which is Hashem Himself. And we can't see this. We can't see this. Everything else in our lives, nothing is in our control except for how much we're going to serve Hashem or not. Fear of God. And that's it. So that's number one. Number one is everything is from Hashem. There's a long chain of cause and effect, which is very hard for us to understand. That's number one. Number two is second requirement. Hashem is watching. Hashem knows everything. Divine providence. We have to believe in divine providence. And the more we believe, Rambam says, the more we get. Interesting. This is wild. The more you believe God cares about you, Hashem says, I care more about you. Every step we take towards Hashem, Hashem takes a step towards us. Every step we take away from Hashem, Hashem is taking a step away from us. So now, if you step away one day, it's going to be a two-day journey. Hashem stepped away one day as well. You step away one day, Hashem steps away one day. It's two days now. Step away two steps, four steps away now. It's, it's much harder to get closer. You come closer, you come closer. It's amazing. It's an amazing concept. It's a mirror image. It's a mirror image. Hashem is our mirror image. The more we trust in Him, the more He's there. The less we trust, the less He's there. And Hashem knows what's in our heart. He knows who trusts. He knows who doesn't trust. Obviously, He knows what's going on. So a person has to really believe and really trust and when a person really trusts, that's the key to success and everything. A person really gets everything. Haboteh Hashem, David Amel says, Chesed Yisobven will be surrounded by a false shield of kindness. The person trusting God is surrounded by kindness. Total kindness. So number one is, there's a time for everything. Hashem is the prime cause. Everything is Hashem, Hashem. Hashem is going to cause everything. Number two is knowing Hashem cares and Hashem and to trust in Hashem with all our hearts. He knows, he, he knows what we're thinking. Number three is to trust in Hashem exclusively in all things. So even though you go to a doctor, you've got to trust in God beyond the doctor. The doctor is only God's messenger. But Hashem will tell him, will push the doctor in the right way, guide his mind to heal in the right way. That's it. And a, a good doctor will say, you know what, I healed you, you're right, but it wasn't really me. <laughs> Hashem was guiding me. I'm, I'm just a guide of Hashem. Hashem was guiding me. So that's a real humble doctor. That's, that's the kind of doctor you want to go to. There's very few doctors like that. But yeah, you'll find a doctor like that. So trust only in Hashem. Whatever you're doing. So even though you get a doctor, a dentist, electrician, whatever it is, you know, I, used to, I, go, for, I, don't know, I go for tests every year. And I'm so used to them, it becomes like a routine. And just when you think it's just a routine, that's when trouble starts. Because if you go and you pray to God, help me, Hashem, please, Hashem says, okay, I'll help you. If you go there and say, ah, I've been through this so many times, it's like a routine, and nothing's going to happen. That's when things happen. Oh, boy. So a person's going to know you always need Hashem. A person always needs Hashem. There's no, there's no routines in life. 
person can drive the same route every day, every day, every day, and thinks it's a routine. It's not routine. Every day you need Hashem's help to get back safely. It's very good to, before you leave the house to put your hand on the mezuzah and say, Baruch Atavoecha, Baruch Atavetetecha. Blessed you when you, come, when, I, when you come in, and blessed you when you go out. Hashem is there to bring me in, Hashem will bring me out. Hashem will look after me. It's a very important. That's the idea of the mezuzah. The mezuzah concept, the mezuzah is Hashem's presence is there. When a person passes the mezuzah, they should have a thought that I'm passing Hashem's presence right now. Hashem is here. Shindalid is there. Hashem is everywhere. And it's very important to think about that because that helps a person with this concept of divine providence. Hashem is watching me. Hashem is looking after me. Hashem is guarding me. And that's the concept. The person doesn't have that concept. He's not really doing the mitzvah properly. The mitzvah is not really interacting with the person. The mitzvah mezuzah is there for a person to interact with it. Every time you pass the door, you're meant to interact with that mitzvah. You're meant to interact with Hashem. And it's very hard. We're so used to it. Baruch Hashem. We're lucky. Nearly every door, you know, you go to any Jewish institution, the doors are mezuzah. But we have to interact. It's not just kiss it, but also think about it. Hashem is watching. Hashem is present. Hashem is here. It's very hard to get this level of trust in God where a person says, you know what, I'm not going to do anything else. That's it. I'm going to spend my time with Hashem. That's it. That's the main thing in life. But a person's going to know there's a minimum you've got to do. You've got to do some hishtadut. The person's going to try the best which we have to get to. We're going to get to that point. So trust only in Hashem. If you trust in two, the trust in God is split between God and other people, other things. And therefore, the trust in God will be shattered. As a result, the thing he wished for will not happen. It's horrible. So a person's going to know that trust in Hashem is the main thing. So even though you hire a lawyer, you hire an accountant, whatever it is, a person's going to say, you know what, the lawyer will do his job, but everything's in God's hands. Everything's Hashem's hands. Everything is Hashem. Okay, that's number three. Number four. Oh, this is hard. Fourth requirement for trust in God is that you do your utmost to carry out the duties Hashem has imposed on you. To observe the mitzvot and stay away from the things he has forbidden. To do all the mitzvot, to keep all the positives, keep away from the negatives. Just like you want Hashem to do your will, you got to do his will. And that's pretty careful, right? You do his will, you make his will like your will, he will do your will like his will. So we want Hashem to do things for us, Get better to start doing things for him. So as our sages put it, treat his will as if your will is pretty careful. Chapter 2, Mishnah 4. Nullify your will before his will. What does nullify your will means don't do certain things. I want to do something. Hashem says don't do it. So I say I'm not going to do it. I nullify my will before His will. And He will nullify the will of others before your will. Wow. That's powerful. So it's a very important idea. How can you trust in God and rebel against Him? Because I trust in God. So why don't you do what God wants you to do? So the trust in God has to go together with doing what He wants us to do. Otherwise, it's a kind of contradiction. We're contradicting ourselves. I trust in God, but I don't want to do what He says. <laughs> I trust in my father, but my, I don't listen to my father. What are you talking about? I need my father's help, but I'm not going to listen to him. So which father's going to help the child, even though he's not listening, unless he's a, you know, father's a bit of a softy, which is not good, because the, the child gets spoiled. That's how children get spoiled. So it's very important to uh, a person wants God to help them. Hashem wants Hashem, we want Hashem's help. We have to realize if you want Hashem's help, you need to do what Hashem wants us to do. How foolish he says a person trusts in God at the same time rebels against him. Very hard, very hard. Doesn't he realize a person was ordered to either do something or refrain from doing something, and he disobeys this order, the employer will surely not keep his part of the bargain. So we don't think of Hashem as our employer. Or maybe we start, should start thinking about it. You know, everything in this world, we can use as a comparison for service of Hashem. So there's a concept of the boss. There's a boss. A person who works for their boss. We have to know that that's another way of imagining Hashem is our boss. In those days, they would think of a king. Right? You think of a king, and you start thinking that God is the king of kings. Hard to imagine. King of kings. He's the, he's the head king. He's the king of kings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Holy One, blessed be. So this is more true. A person disobeys the laws and mitzvot of God. So a person disobeys their employer. He's going to throw him out. What happens if a person disobeys God? The trouble is, what happens is, God is merciful. Erech is slow to anger. Rav is full of kindness. And therefore we don't see this. A person's bad. And what happens? Nothing. We don't see anything. 
So that we say, ah, nothing happens. Hashem doesn't care. Hashem doesn't mind. Hashem is merciful. Hashem won't mind. Yirmiyahu says, amazing, amazing concept. Can one steal, murder, and commit adultery, swear falsely, and then come and stand before me in this temple? Has this temple upon which my name is proclaimed become a cave of criminals in your eyes? <laughs> it got so bad. Imagine. This temple became a cave of criminals. People would come, they'd do all sorts of bad things and come to the temple and bring us a sacrifice. And Yirmiyahu has to go and scream at them. What do you think it is over here? You think Hashem wants your sacrifices? Your hands are full of blood. You kill people. What are you doing? You have no relationship with God. That's not the way to build a relationship with God. So a person cheats on his wife and he wants to build a relationship with her. You can have a relationship with her. So we have to realize that that a person wants God's help. We have to do our bit as well. You have to do His will like to make to make Him do your will. You have to do His will like like your will. Make His will your will, and He will make His will your will. And you annul your will before his will, even better. He'll another other people's wills before your will. All of a sudden you'll find people listening to you who never listened to you before. It's amazing. It's amazing how this works. Even in harmony in, in, in marriage, it helps so much. If a person listens to God, all of a sudden his wife starts listening to him. He starts disobeying God. So I says, who is this guy? I don't like him anymore. I don't listen to this guy anymore. Happens in marriages. Even with children. Children start... All of a sudden, they see their parents are more God-fearing. They start thinking, listening to their parents. It's, it's amazing. It works so well in life. It's amazing. What a person, a person, uh, this guy was never, no one ever paid attention to this person. All of a sudden, people are paying attention to this person. What happened? And the answer is, Hashem put in their minds to pay attention to them. What happened? <clears throat> because he started paying attention to Hashem. Hashem says, oh, I'm going to make other people pay attention to this person. Amazing, amazing. It's amazing power over here. And you see these, uh, the Gedolim. How do you see the Gedolim? How does, how does he become a Gedol? How does a person become a Gedol? And the answer is, he doesn't do anything to become a Gedol. That's the funny thing. People start searching for him. Hazonish, who is he? He's barely five foot tall. He comes to, he comes to uh, Israel, and the chief rabbi of Yushalayim gets a letter from Rabbi Chaim Ozer Grzynski. A lion has come from Judah, uh, from Babylon. A lion has come from Babylon, which they said about Hillel. So they all come to visit him, and they see and then all of a sudden people start coming every day, every day there's more people it's amazing, why? because God put it into their minds, because he he's a, a, an evid of Hashem Hashem says, here's my servant in the world here, go visit him, go, everyone go to him, it's amazing people start going to people, it's amazing how people all of a sudden this person becomes famous for what? what's he famous for? he wrote a book yeah, many people wrote books, but what's so great about the person? And the answer is, God-fearing. He's God-fearing. God person, he annuls his will before God's will. He does God's will like his will. Hashem says, I'm going to make other people listen to it as well. Amazing. It's an amazing concept. The fifth requirement is to understand clearly, any new thing that comes into this world, comes into this world by one of two ways. Either by decree of the Creator, or by means of direct or indirect causes. All these causes rush to bring the creation God wants into being, with God's help to become a reality. It's amazing, because this is really talking about our, our modern day, because every day you find there's something new coming into being. It's amazing. You know, nothing was really invented till about the last two, three hundred years. Right? The last two, three hundred years, we've seen tremendous leaps of science. Tremendous, massive leaps, right? Imagine. For thousands of years, people were riding horses. Imagine, think about it. Carts. The wheel was one of the biggest inventions, right? That's it. And you had the Iron Age and the Bronze Age, whatever. That's it. You never got to much, uh, there was much major invention. That's it. Things stopped for 2,000 years. Nothing happened. Thousands of years. Probably since Noah, nothing really changed. Imagine, think about it. Until all of a sudden, gunpowder. Boom. That, was, that wasn't such a good invention. Uh, you have the steam engine. Wow, that's big. The telegraph. Massive. Now you can communicate around the world with Morse code. Boy. And today, forget about it. So the world has become such a small place. It's amazing how things have changed. But we have to realize all this came about by decree of Hashem or by means of direct and indirect causes. Hashem has many ways of doing things. Hashem is teaching us something. Hashem wants this to get to a certain point. So, uh, he, he, now this is interesting because he wrote this a thousand years ago. He never saw these inventions. 
what he's talking about is nothing comes into this world without divine control. Everything which comes into the world has some point, has some kind of divine control, and there's anything which is created, we have to learn from Musa from it. Now, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta will learn Musa from everything. So they asked him when the, when the first locomotive, the steam engine, comes into, I don't know, it was Russia or Poland, wherever he was, and they asked, his students asked him, what have you learned from this? He said, first, let's go and see. Let's go and see the first convention. It was an amazing sight, a very impressive sight. A locomotive, you ever seen a locomotive? It's amazing. Hisses and steam. It's very, it's much better than the electric ones. It's much more uh, powerful. It looks powerful. It makes noises. It's amazing, this thing. It's a really machine. It looks like a machine. It looks like it has a life of its own. So it makes noises, chuck, 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 and it gives us steam, and dee, 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 whatever, and then things are moving, you can, see, you can see things moving, the pistons are moving, and the steam's coming out. It's really amazing. Especially for ancient man, think about it. Never saw a machine like this. It's like the Indians would throw themselves in front of it, like they're worshipping their god. They would kill themselves, they're mad. They'd die in front of it, they'd jump in front of the thing, the god is coming, they think the god is coming. Thank God we're, we're, we're smarter than Thank God, you know, we know that God is invisible. <laughs> so this is definitely not God, it's a machine. So what happened, all, all the students of Israel started to go to, the, go to this locomotive. And the locomotive is pulling these cars. I don't know how many cars it pulled, 20 cars. And Israel Salanta is going down the cars and touching the sides of the cars. And the students of following, imagine, the rabbi is touching the cars. He's going, going, going to the front of the train. He touches the locomotive and says, mm. Students, what's going on up there? What's, what's he doing, the rabbi? What's he up to? So afterwards, they ask him, Rabbi, so what do you what do? You do? I, you touched all the cars. What, 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 do you, what, what conclusion do you get to? He said, I got to a conclusion that one hot car can pull many cold cars. <laughs> so what does that mean? He says, one enthusiastic person can pull many unenthusiastic people. You need someone who's hot to pull the others. So a person who's cold, find someone hot who can pull him along. So it's very important, this, this principle. So you can learn Musa from all these. I mean, today it's much easier to understand that God is watching. Right? We have satellites in the sky. We have cameras everywhere. Yeah, it's amazing. Today we can understand. God is watching. Today we can understand. You don't have to write down anything. It's all recorded. Everything is recorded. Where is it recorded? How can God keep so many recordings? Well, everything's in the cloud. They talk about things in the cloud. If you can record things in the cloud, you can, Hashem can record things. It's not really a cloud. It's some hard drive somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about a cloud. So everything's in the cloud. We talked about this thousands of years ago. The mission talks about it thousands of years ago. Hashem, everything is recorded. Where is Hashem keeps his records? And the answer is, you don't need records. It's all in the cloud. It's all in God's mind. Hashem's mind. Whatever that means. Hashem doesn't have a mind. It's, it's, it's amazing. Just like we record things without any hard drives. Hashem records things. So it's an amazing concept. Everything comes into this world either directly from God or indirectly from God. Everything is from directly from So Hashem puts an idea into the inventor's head, and that idea becomes an invention. Everything came from God. The invention came from Hashem indirectly. So he gives an example of the water wheel, where the animal turns a wheel that has buckets attached to it, which brings water to the surface. So the direct cause of the water being brought to the surface is the buckets. The indirect cause of this operation, the man who made the animal turn the wheel that brought up the water from the bottom of the well. The intermediate causes between the man and the buckets are the animal, the wheel, or the rope. Now, should anything go wrong with any of the parts between the man and the buckets, the entire operation will come to a halt. The same is true with anything in this world. Nothing in this world can succeed unless Hashem decrees it and puts in place a series of causes that brings the enterprise to completion. So everything that God has, but there's a series of steps which we see and we get confused. And we say, ah, that's what caused it. It wasn't God, it was something else completely wrong. Hashem is the cause, primary cause. He is the prime cause. It is plain to see. It is necessary to work and expend effort in order to earn a living. Right? You have to go to work. Yeah, there's no other, right? You can stay home. If you have parents to support you, or someone else to support you, no problem. Let us say a person is hungry and the food is placed in front of him. Unless he takes the trouble to lift the food to his mouth and chew it, he will never satisfy his hunger. Unless he picks up the glass of water to drink it, he won't quench his thirst. He's got to invest effort. Uh, if he first has to prepare the food by grinding, kneading, baking, we're, we're so lucky to just go to the store today and pick up ready-made food. So we're living a lap. I'll tell you, no other generation has had it so good. We really have to appreciate what we have today. We have, and there's so many unhappy people. Talked about that yesterday. We have so much going for us today that they never had before. You have running hot water. Think about it. Running hot water. Mm. 
you have carpets on the floor, you have a bed which is so comfortable, it's amazing. I mean, you can get a bed which is very comfortable. And we have lights anytime you want, you just flip on the switch, it's like, it's amazing, it's, it's amazing. We're living in a lap of luxury, we just don't realize, we don't appreciate it, we have to thank God every single day. Can you imagine how much effort it took for Adam Rishon to get a loaf of bread? Six months of labor, hard labor. It's not a joke, getting a loaf of bread, imagine. You've got to plant, you got to, first you've got to plow, you've got to plant. Look at all the melachot in Shabbat, laws of Shabbat, 39. 39 forms of work, there are thir- a thir- one third is making bread. One third, basically, is making bread. Just, it knocks a person out. And today we just go to the store and just pick up a loaf. Amazing. The Gemara says when Mashiach comes, bread will grow from trees. A suit of clothes will grow, grow from trees. What do you mean? What does that mean? That means you just go to the store and pick it up. It's like growing from the tree. Like you just pick it off the shelf. That's what it means. That's what it does. It grows from a tree. Where, where is it? A loaf of bread. Come. You go pick up any type of... It's amazing how many varieties you have. It's amazing. How many stores there are. And varieties. It's amazing. So a person doesn't put the effort, it won't get anything. But we have to realize who is the prime cause, where did everything come from, everything. And that's what evolution tries to uh, confuse us with, right? Everything's, ah, it came from this, and this came from this. And this. Yeah, okay, but where did the first thing come from? Oh, we don't know. That we don't know, we're stuck. That came from the prime cause. The prime cause is Hashem. Everything, the prime cause is Hashem. First, we've got to realize the prime cause is Hashem. Just want to recap this. So number one is there's a long, long chain of cause and effect. You have to realize that. Hashem wants something to happen. You can't see it's Hashem, but it's Hashem. A person's got to realize a long cause of cause and effect. And there's a time for everything. And Hashem already pre-programmed a lot of the stuff in the world. A lot of stuff in the world is pre-programmed. And then we said number two is that Hashem is watching over us. Providence, divine providence. We have to believe Hashem is watching every single move we make. Hashem not, not only watches our moves, but also knows what we're thinking. Even better. Number three is trust only in Hashem, no one else, nothing else. A person divides their trust, just broke their trust. That's not trust. That's divided trust. It's like telling your wife, I trust in you and someone else. Well, I love you and someone else. That's not, okay, I can't do that. You can't split it. You just split yourself. Uh, number four is, if I really want God to look after me, I've got to look after God's wishes. I've got to believe in what God says. I've got to do what God says. Uh, number five, Hashem is the primary cause. That ever since creation, any new thing that came in, came in either by the decree of Hashem or by an indirect or direct cause. Hashem, this causes Hashem's wishes to become into, into being. So everything is originally from God. Hashem's wishes control the world. Now we come to the big question everyone's worried about. Why do we have to work so hard to earn a livelihood? How hard do you have to work? So there are two reasons why Hashem wants us to work. This is interesting because no one knows why we're working so hard. Yeah? Here we are. Number one. Hashem thinks it's necessary to test human beings. To find out if the person will serve God or rebel against them. He devised a test that will reveal man's choice in this manner. What is the test? The test consists of making a person struggle to provide themselves with things which are not essential and things which are essential. Okay? And Hashem says, tells us how to go about getting these things. Don't steal. Keep all the laws of Chosh Mishpat, All the civil laws, which in Jewish law. Keep all the laws of ethics and morality to do these things, not to steal and not to be jealous and not to take things against people's wishes and not to kill people, other things, right? This way, when you choose the permitted things, it becomes clear whether you want to serve God or transgress His laws. So just earning a living is one of the biggest tests. Earning a living, how a person earns a living is one of the biggest tests. By making a free choice, you can earn reward if you do choose to do good or a person can choose to do evil. Okay, that's number one. It's a test. Is it going to be an honest living, dishonest living, an ethical living, non-ethical living? That's number one. Number two. The second reason, one must work hard. If a person would not have to work hard, he would despise God. It's amazing. This is crazy. This is amazing. A person with too much leisure time is going to do the wrong things. It's not good for a person to have nothing to do. The Torah says, Yishurim will get, become fat and rebel. And therefore, a person doesn't work, doesn't keep himself busy, the mind goes crazy and will eventually lead to transgression. What does it say? Idle hands make mischief. So it's very important to stay busy. It's an amazing thing. 
Hashem in his wisdom said, Kol Torah Any Torah which there's no work attached will eventually be annulled. The person has to do both. Learn Torah and, and work, and this way the person's mind will be busy constantly, and they'll be, hopefully have to be involved with good things all the time. Productive things. A person has to be productive. A person cannot stay home and do nothing, because if they're not productive, it leads them to, to, to be depressed, and lead depressed becomes the worst things and worse things. Okay, so it's very important that a person is busy. So it's a very interesting concept. Uh, why do we have to work so hard? Two reasons. Number one is Hashem wants to know how we're going to work. Are we going to use things in a legal way, in a proper way, in an ethical way? Or are we going to do things in a legal, illegal way, in a bad way? No, that's number one. Number two is to keep ourselves busy. As a matter of fact, Hashem showed great compassion. Now, a person might not think so. For a person to keep him busy all his life. That person might think, hey, Hashem, why am I so busy? You know, I'm tired. Give me a break. No, it's good for you to be busy. Keep you out of mischief. It's true. 100% true. 100% true. Hmm. Especially if you're busy doing good things. Then not only are you busy keeping you out of mischief, you're also busy doing good things, which is good. Good things. So helping other people. If you have a job, helping other people is best. Gosh. Can you imagine you're getting paid to help others? Wow, that's amazing. <coughs> you're getting paid to do chesed. It's, it's fantastic. It's an amazing concept. So whatever you can do to help other people, if your intention is to make the world a smoother, better place, you're getting credit for that as well. So a person's working, they should find a job which is not just a job, but it's also a way of helping other people. So whatever you do in the world, a person sells shoes, it's a mitzvah. You're doing a tremendous mitzvah, malbish aramim. People don't have shoes. It's like uh, they're naked in a sense. So you're giving them a person sells clothes, a person sells a car. All these things are useful for society. Things which are useful for people. Education is it's useful. It's useful for people. You're raising a whole generation. So there's many things we can do which are useful to society, which you're getting double credit. Number one is you're staying out of mischief. That's the negative. That's, that's, that's very valuable. Number two is you're working in honest trade. Very valuable. Number three is I'm doing something positive for society. That's, that's even more valuable. So it's very important to stay busy. This is, a, this is an interesting concept. Just staying busy is one of the purposes of going to work. Just staying busy, staying out of mischief. This way, he says, a person does not delve into things they do not need to know, such as what happened before creation, what would happen in the end. <laughs> this is very interesting. Because a person has time in their hands to start thinking of philosophical questions, what I can do. He says, not so good to think about these things so much, because then a person might rebel against God. But if you cherish the service of God and fear God and trust God in your Torah and your worldly concerns, you avoid shameful acts, set your sights on attaining good traits, are not disdainful of God when you are comfortable, which is the test of wealth. Yeah, what did God do for me? I did everything myself. Uh oh. That's guaranteed disaster. But I should never say that. That's why it's important. One of the mitzvot we have to think about every day is Hashem is the one who gave us the power to be great. Hashem is the one who gave us the power. But you should never think, I did everything myself. I'm a genius. I'm a this. I earned so much money. Da, da, da. Don't choose leisure. Wow, this is hard. Don't choose leisure. This is really a, uh, a lesson for us today. Because what does a person do with leisure? What do you do on your Sundays? What does a person do on your Sundays? It's football games. Yeah, whatever it is. Okay, I'm just saying. So, obviously there are different levels of uh, what a person can be doing. Uh, some which are parav, some which are good, and some which are bad. So, I've got to know, what's, how am I getting the best bang for my buck? Because don't forget, time is life. Time is not money. Time, time is life. Where I spend my time is where I'm spending my life. So, after 120 years, a person goes to Shemayim and say, what do you do with your life? Well, I watch this football game and that football game and this football game. Yeah, okay. Fine. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> but you can always be worse. You can be, go there. <laughs> We go up, go up, down, go stay over there, sideways, I know. So that's, we have to know. What we do with our time is what we do with our lives. Mm. That's, what, that's really what it is. It's not just time. People say, ah, it's just time. Leisure time. Truth is, we all need leisure time. We need to relax. We need to, you know. But uh, there's a limit. You know, person has to know how much really they need, how much they don't need. Sometimes we just overdo it. It's amazing. Today, people go to work. But the whole reason why they're going to work is so that they can have a vacation. They're not going to work because they want to go to work. They're working because they want to have a vacation. But really, the ideal is, I suppose you go to work because everyone want to go to work. 
It's like, what, ha- what would happen? What, if you would win the lottery, a person's going to think, if I won the lottery, what would I, how would I change my life? Right? You don't have to work anymore. Right, exactly. So a person would say, I'll retire. And then do what? But a person would go crazy. People don't realize what it's like to be retired. Um, the brain starts going because they're not moving their brain. A lot of people just, they stay home, watch TV all day, and that's it. They're vegetables. Basically, they're dead, basically. Because living is learning. A person's not learning, they're, they're pretty, just breathing, that's it. But they have to serve God. They have to keep on serving God. So what do you do? So instead of working and getting paid, I'll do it for free. That's basically it. I'm just asking, what what a person do? (laughs) If you're individually wealthy, it's like Trump, right? He doesn't need to take the money to be president. I'll be a president for nothing. Fantastic, isn't it fantastic? Uh, What's name? Bloomberg worked for many years for for dollar. I don't know why. He he really worked hard, that man. I feel sorry for the guy. Every time there's a shooting, he's going to the hospital, say in the middle of the night, see the policeman who was shot. It's amazing. Imagine, the guy doesn't need to do a thing in his life. He's made, he's set. But yet he's working hard. He's not just working, he's working hard. And not only that, they attacked him from all sides. I mean, <laughs> he's not getting paid, and they're attacking him. What do you need it for? So I know, maybe he just wants to do good. Let's give it a burn for the doubt. He just wants to do good. It's a good do good, it's amazing. You get purpose, sense of purpose. A person needs that sense of purpose. You can't just stay home. So find a job where you can really feel a sense of purpose. Person feels, I feel this is my satisfaction in life. I'm getting, I feel satisfied. When I'm doing this, I feel satisfied, I feel happy. It's very important to find something a person is happy doing. And until you find that, just do what you're doing right now. You're going to make a living anyway. So then you might as well look around and branch around until you find what makes you happy. You know, most people when they train, when they're young, they don't know what they're getting into. And then later on they change. A lot of people chop and change because they don't, it doesn't satisfy them. I studied to be an engineer. When I went into engineering, I said, hey, what am I doing over here? <laughs> it doesn't satisfy me one bit. I'm stuck in a, in a, in a, mach- in a factory with machines. No one to talk to, no one to, to... That's it. You're stuck with the machines. Okay, if that's a satisfying life, fine. Good for you. If, you like, if that's your satisfaction in life, go ahead. You're stuck with the machines. But if you cherish the service of Hashem, up to fear Hashem, trust Hashem in your Torah and worldly concerns, of avoid shameful acts, set your sights and attain good traits. These are all... These, this should be a, a list of... This is the purpose in our life. These are the purposes in our life. This is such an important paragraph over here. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.